Thanks for listening to CarCast on Podcast One. Hey guys, welcome to CarCast. Today we're going to give you a SEMA overview, not so much the parts that we covered uh, last week, but the lay of the land, some of the new cars that debuted, a few things like that, and the Bronco off-rodeo that I went to. Uh, Before we get started, here's a word from our friends at Rock Auto. RockAuto.com. Why spend 30 to 50%, even 100% more for the same parts that a chain store or dealership might have? Why spend so much there? Why not go to rockauto.com? It's a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Everything from engine control modules to brakes to motor oil, even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic car or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few clicks delivered direct to your door. Go to rockauto.com, see all the parts available for your car or your truck, write CarCast in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. An amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Hello, welcome to CarCast. I'm Matt, the moderator, D'Andrea, and that tired man over there yawning into the microphone is Bill Goldberg. <laughs> I'm almost done, man. I'm almost done. I got a week left on NCIS next week, and I'm freaking done for the year. I'm hanging it up. <laughs> I've, I've tapped out my enthusiasm slash motor, internal combustion motor. It's just, I'm at the end of my tank. Taking a, take a little break for the rest of the year. Yeah, it's been busy between the... Uh, certainly between the wrestling and filming and some film projects that you can't talk about yet, but then NCIS and uh, and your lovely outfit on the Goldbergs. We'll be looking forward to that. <laughs> Look, if, you- if the lovely outfit wasn't enough, we reenacted fame in the, par- <laughs> the parking lot. Oh, right? this is a singing and dancing Goldberg. Uh, Fortunately, I didn't. Thing. I just I just uh, mouthed the words, but uh, <laughs> dancing. Listen, you, if you can call it that. You said long ago, I love doing the Goldbergs. They challenge me to do stuff I've never done before, and now that you've put that out there, <laughs> they took it to the they they, they took it quite seriously. Yes, they, they did. They certainly did. <laughs> um, it'll they put be, me in pumps in culture top. It'll be. <laughs> I, I'm not going to give away the whole outfit, though. But when you guys see the whole thing and the shoes and the whatnot, you'll uh, you guys will understand. Funny. It'll be funny. You guys have a good laugh. Uh, well, coming back from from a SEMA show, a very a very big, very interesting SEMA show. Uh, let me just tell you guys about Geico real quick. Whether you own your home or rent your home, we know it can be a lot of hard work. But you know what's easy? It's bundling your policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. And we know that's a good thing because you already have so much to do around your home already. Just go to geico.com, see how much you can save, and uh, and you'll be good to go. It's uh, Geico easy. That's geico.com. Visit geico.com today. All right, SEMA was show. so busy I missed SEMA. How about that? So, so busy you missed SEMA. Um, 
I'm trying Although. to put a I'm trying to put <laughs> a deal together to uh, go to PRI, which I've never done before. Those of you not familiar, PRI is performance racing industry. It's SEMA, but with much more of a racing focus. All of the parts that show up. It's an indie. It's like December, I don't know, ninth or tenth, somewhere around that that time. And, you know, I just never had a chance to go. It's very close to SEMA and LA Auto Show and other events we've got going on. And it's cold as hell. And I'm not good with the cold. But, uh, you know, our our longtime friend, Dr. Jamie Meyer, who uh, I met, was the first, like, person I met and sat down and talked to as I was getting into sort of this automotive, automotive slash entertainment industry. And I don't know, it could have been 15, maybe 17 years ago now. Um, it was It was a long time ago. Uh, he was he was the head of GM Performance Parts at the time. It's now Chevrolet Performance Parts. And he's had a few roles and moved up the ranks and stuff over the years. Now he is the president of PRI. So SEMA, which owns PRI, hired mm-hmm. him to run the whole thing. So uh, we were, we've been talking about a scenario of going to to PRI. And uh, it could be, could be interesting. It could be kind of... Uh, fun to do. I, I'm super interested in the performance parts aspects of it, right? As you guys know, if you listen to the CarCast episodes we posted this past week from the SEMA show, it was a lot of just going to booth the booth, sitting down with some of the exhibitors there, and really just digging into the parts. I mean, it's easy to go online and see... Uh, you know, all of the cars that debuted and, and you know, because that's sort of the more press-heavy stuff that uh, you see on social media, all the cool cars. And there were cool cars there, but I really do love the parts. So um, two episodes last week, uh, talking to exhibitors about the parts, and then I I don't know where else to put it, but on my Facebook page, like I've done in the past years, it's uh, a look-up moderator on Facebook. I just posted a huge gallery of photos from the SEMA new parts Showcase. So I, I walked up and down the aisles where everything's in a glass case, and I tried to basically photograph the product and photograph the the card that's next to it. There's like a an info sheet that tells you usually the part number, the manufacturer, the MSRP, and a short description. So two photos for everything. There's probably about sixty new products up there that I thought were were really cool. So we know it's, you know, I didn't, I didn't go obviously, but we know if it's in true form, it was Bronco heavy. Um, yeah. We know there were a lot, well, not a lot of, inter, no international. So the wheel, so the wheel exhibit was probably cut in half, but what caught your eye more, you know, more importantly than. Right. So, so yes, to your point, I think somebody counted about 90 Broncos there. I just assume that's everyone that Ford made because they're still way behind <laughs> on, uh, yeah. on delivering. Uh, Was Gage's there? Um, it, who knows? It certainly could have been. Um, so about 90 or so Broncos. It was definitely a lot of Broncos there. A lot of C8 Corvettes, as you can imagine. And and I, listen, I give credit to, to the aftermarket. The C8 Corvette is a car that's really kind of pushing the limit. And people still came up with, you know, wild body kits, all sorts of modifications, intakes, superchargers, turbo kits. 
uh, air ride suspension, coilover upgrades, upgrades that work with their magnetic ride, just just a lot of really cool stuff. And as you can imagine, the, the Corvette – the Corvette was pushing the limits in all of its performance already, so there's not a lot of room to be for improvement, right? Whereas there's always, there's always a lot of room. I mean, there's room, but not. Let's say the Bronco was designed for improvement. It was built. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I, I like just, it has yeah. all the modular body panels and it has all these pieces on the interior that are removable and has the bar you can the clip on stuff. Finished product. Yeah, the yeah. So, finished product. The Broncos something they hand you that you can, you know. Like it was intended to be modified. Back. You know, Ford yeah. Ford Performance has something like 300 dealer accessories that you can you can add to the car just right from the get go. Right. So add to that. You know the automotive aftermarket, and it was it was wild. I saw them running around on the tank treads for wheels, and 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 it's interesting because uh, the SEMA show. In the past few years, when they were doing SEMA Ignited, which is the car show they do at the end of the week, so SEMA show is something like nine to five every day. Friday, it's like nine to four, and at four o'clock, pretty much on the nose. In the convention center, people fire up their cars and they get in line and it takes about an hour or two and they all drive out and they parade through grandstands in front of the convention center across the street to where West Hall is and there's a huge car show and it's a big event and they do Battle of the Builders and, you know, they have bleachers set up and there's, you know, food and trucks and stuff like that. So. It was interesting seeing that aspect of it. Again, I was in the hall after hours on Friday, uh, so kind of walking around. They're already tearing up carpets and taking booths down like almost immediately, but there's a huge line of cars. So I have to still post some of that uh, video. Well, what photos. percentage of the cars went out the front and what percentage of the cars uh, and owners were yawning? and trying to uh, occupy themselves while everybody was driving out while they were pushing their cars into trailers out the back. Yeah, I'll tell you, um, it kind of felt like there was a good amount of cars doing the parade, doing the car show, 70%. Well, you know what, that, that, that and Optima changed the, the, the scenery of SEMA. Yeah. Because, you know, years back, at least 50% of the cars were wheeled in and wheeled out. Yeah, there and there was quite a few, uh, still quite a few of those. But you know, a lot of the guys wanted to to show their car at Sea Ignited and do the parade. There's a lot of photos and social media and a little bit of showing off, and it's kind of cool to see. Now, the other thing that was different was SEMA sold a limited amount of tickets to the public on Friday. They had a different type of ba- uh, badge. They had a lanyard and was like purple so it was easy to identify who the public was but it did for those who planned ahead so the exhibitors who planned ahead they they did things a little differently they typically so SEMA show is Tuesday through Friday typically Tuesday and Wednesday are the big media days because you want to debut your car at a press conference if you will Early on in the event. So everybody rushes to try to get that Tuesday morning mark and throughout Tuesday and a little bit into Wednesday morning. So a lot of 
the attractions at the booth happen Tuesday and Wednesday. You know, your celebrity signings, appearances, live podcasting, things like that. But since there was a public day, they did a lot of the press events Tuesday, Wednesday, and then the signings and stuff happened on Friday so the lines could be more for the public, right? And that's kind of Mm -hmm. what I always thought would be more efficient anyway. Like if you did a public day, well, do your signing events for the fans that are going to come out and see the cars and meet people. And mm-hmm. and uh, so I I think everybody was happy with the public day. Um, you know, for the most part, there was, wasn't a lot of like grumblings on having the public there. I think they limited the amount of tickets. Everybody was cool. They kind of just, you know, you throw a bunch of people into an environment that they, they're not used to. Most people, 99% of the people, are going to just sort of follow the leader. You know what I'm saying? Like everyone's attitude and how they're courteous and what they're seeing at parts and things like that and waiting in lines, coming to certain booths. It's new to them. So everybody's just cool about it. I think if the public day ramps up, then the exhibitors will change their booths a little bit. Keep in mind, this is a trade show and the booths are still largely designed for doing business. There's meeting rooms. Uh, oftentimes, there's less product and more discussions. Uh, Magnaflow, mm-hmm. for example, we've been there many times. They do more of a hospitality booth and debut some cars, and then they have product on cars all around the show. What they don't have is a lot of product in their booth. But with enough heads up, I think a company like that would say, oh, we're going to have to hang a lot more product on the booth with part numbers and and some debuts. So as the public comes in, they can also look and go, oh, this is cool stuff. We're actually seeing and touching, you know, the product hanging on the wall with, you know, with some sort of card or something next to it that says, you know, hey, this is new C8 Corvette or this is new C8 Corvette with carbon fiber tips and, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. So I think it, it's going to change the lay of the land a little bit if they do the public days a little bit more. Um, but, you know, I, I think people were kind of down with it, you know, with kind of the public day stuff. How the mass thing worked. <laughs> you know, the mass thing I thought was was okay. It's It's certainly difficult to wear a mask and a lot of people do this at jobs all the all the time but wearing your mask all day every day for 5 days during the week you know uh you know we saw the old photos of you know not that old but over the past year of people in hospitals working and you know they're face bleeding they're wearing a mask and it's rubbing and it's you know obviously it's screwing you up yeah so what what you get is a little tough so i i think as the week went on the masks came down a little lower <laughs> and uh, and maybe like a little less on the face at all, <laughs> which I don't That's know. That's what I saw from a lot of the pictures. Yeah. And, and here's the other thing is none of the companies were really, you know, I don't know that they had a lot of rules internally, but, you know, I don't think there was anybody there or probably a very low percentage of anybody there that wasn't fully vaccinated anyway. So the the level of comfort was higher than, let's say, if we did this as a public event a year ago, by, by yeah. all means. So, yes, a lot of the photos 
you know, that you see, people take the mask off for the photo because why date the photo with the mask, right? So, uh, you know, when when they had celebrities out there debuting cars and they're up on the big Ford stage or something like that, you know, they're up on stage. I don't think they need the mask and rightfully so. But when they're going to the line of people to shake hands and take photos – you know, when you're when you're near the line, you're wearing the mask. Maybe you can pull it down when you're taking the photo. It was it was it seemed to be nobody was really making a fuss about the whole thing. If you were comfortable wearing the mask, wear it. If you're really uncomfortable not wearing it, um, I think most people were pretty good about if they're not wearing it, they were sitting at one of the tables or in the chairs or you know whatever. So, uh, and that comes to. SEMA itself. What did it look like? You know, uh, the lay of the land. It was it was certainly a bit different. Um, yes, it seemed like a lot of the booths, uh, the exhibitors that were there, were still pretty much where they were have been in the past, but they've moved around just slightly, and it you didn't notice too much. You know, like where Borla is and Magnaflow, McGuire's and Chevrolet performance parts, they're all kind of near each other. That all still kind of felt the same, but all of the walkways were a bit wider, it seemed like. And there's a little bit more room in between some of the booths. And the booths that were missing, it's exactly what we thought it was going to be. It was a couple of, you know, picnic tables and chairs, and they were just rest areas where you could, you know, have a drink, grab some food. Usually there wasn't like food there. You'd have to go to the one of the vendors and bring it and then sit down, which was cool mm-hmm. because there was a lot more places to sit. Uh, and because it was more spread out and far fewer people, honestly, it felt like half as many people. It was still busy, but, you know, we've been there before and you can barely walk the aisleways, and God forbid somebody comes rolling around on one of them little rascal scooters. They're just sitting there bumping into everybody going, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I don't, you know, I'm sorry. And uh, that was like much easier overall. So uh, I think a lot of people, especially the industry people, they're coming back and saying, that was the best SEMA ever. It was so easy to talk to people. You had plenty of time. You weren't really rushed as much because attendance was really down. That being said, you know, it's easy for us to pick up the phone and talk to a lot of the companies we work with, sponsors that help us on our project vehicles. But for me, it's always nice to be able to go there and meet with them in person. And thank them. And and certainly thank them and find out what's new and maybe interview them for a, a, a couple of minutes, uh, you know, to hear about new product and, you know, what's going on. And I'll tell you, there was there was quite a few, and maybe I felt this more than um, other people, simply because it 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 just seemed like a lot of the companies we work with um, skipped this year, uh, and I don't I just found myself like walking around. I even texted you at one point. Nitto Tires was not there at all. Wow. Um, Nitto Center Force. Uh, Holly, all of Holly Group, Aeromotive Fuel Systems, Autometer. Like there was just a lot of companies that were not there. Of course, the Edelbrock, you know, Comp Group was there, you know, Borla, uh, uh, Magnaflow, uh, you know, Ford, GM. Uh, Nissan had a nice display in West Hall. Uh, uh, Toyota had a cool display. Honda, uh, you know, Banks was there. Um, 
I don't think like Mobile One was there. Uh, I think I saw. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just kind of it was kind of an interesting lay of the land. So y- you take half as many people. You spread the hallways out, and then you have this new West Hall, which is about a million square feet, it seems like, of real estate. And then, yeah, so you go in, and there's, you know, whatever, there's 15,000 square feet of just blank area with with Chip Foose's cars. It was a cool exhibit, but it was more of a museum exhibit than anything else And in West Hall. And then the far side of the West Hall was, again, just sort of an open display for, like, uh, they had like some old uh, uh, Baja trucks and stuff there, just kind of uh, as a, as a museum display. You know, um, they had big Oli up on a podium, and you could just walk around and take photos of it. So there was definitely some scattered areas. Uh, you know, it, it, I went to North Hall. North Hall had a lot more space into it. I mean, North Hall is cool. There's all the knickknack stuff and the smaller companies and a lot of electronics and. You know, you can go in there and see like the chamois display guy, but there's also kinds of tools and what's new with, you know, tool storage and and stuff. But even even there, I mean, I think I, I spoke to Dynavin um, that does – they retrofit touchscreens and car stereos into a bunch of vehicles. I did it on my E46 M3. I spoke to guys at Sony, but I don't recall seeing Rockford Fosgate, JL Audio – uh, a kicker, uh, you know, quite a few of those guys. I didn't, I didn't see there at all. So, it it was a little different. Again, easy to talk to people if the people were there to talk to. Exactly. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that was kind of the lay of the land of of SEMA. It was it was interesting uh, for sure. Um. I'll talk about some of the parts real quick, but let me tell you guys about Trico. You know, over a century ago, Trico was the first to make wiper blades. They've been a step ahead of Mother Nature ever since. Trico engineers study your specific driving conditions to make sure you're ready for anything, even if it rains, actual cats and dogs. No rain now, although it does seem like it's going to rain outside. It's very, very foggy. Well, weather, whatever the weather... Trico wipers maintain maximum windshield contact. And no matter what your driving habits, you'll always find the right wiper blade for your vehicle. It's Trico, the future of wiper blades since 1917. To find a store near you and see the latest offers, visit TricoCatsAndDogs.com. You know, the cars the cars that were there were, I, I would say, noticeably were fewer of the big builders uh, I don't recall seeing Ring Brothers having a car out there. I don't think Troy Trepanier had a car out there. Foos had his display of cars, but I don't think he had a new car that he was debuting out there. Um, but a lot more uh, influencers, YouTubers, um, a lot of those cars. Thankful uh, I didn't go. There. You know, so it was um, it was interesting to to see that. Now I I see the benefit uh, sort of on the business side of things. Um, a little less sort of paid promotion and a little more sponsorship relationship because the YouTubers and and influencers, if you will, uh, have uh, their content creators. So the promotion is kind of what their job is anyway. So maybe a little less effort and a little less, little less money spent by the exhibitors to get them there and promote their appearance. 
because they are doing some of their own self-promotion. So business-wise, I can see it as a little bit more of an affordable move. Um, and honestly, it a lot of those guys and a lot of those cars, they, they brought in a crowd. There were still, you know, huge lines for meet and greets and and stuff. And there were some pretty cool cars there for sure. So that part was kind of interesting. I think another thing that we really noticed was, uh, I don't know the right adjective, but EVs, electric motors. What I mean is, is I don't want to say it was taking over, right? There's probably... I don't know, maybe SEMA last year was virtual. This, the year before, I saw maybe two or three EV converted cars and maybe one or two companies getting into some sort of EV parts, right? Like an EV motor or some sort of harnesses or control packs. Now there was probably, I don't know, 15 EV converted vehicles and probably a half a dozen companies getting into that market. Uh, and I think it felt like it made a much bigger impact because it used to be almost zero. Two years ago, it was zero, basically. Or two years ago, it was three people. Four years ago, it was zero. And uh, and some of the bigger companies have embraced it. You know, uh, Project X, the uh, 57... Uh, uh, Chevy that very famously the hot rod car that GM has rebuilt over the years. It's currently yellow. Uh, that debuted as an EV, you know, with some of GM's, uh, some Chevrolet performance parts, EV conversion parts involved. Uh, Ford brought an F100 out. That was an all-wheel drive EV. It was a really cool build. Uh, it was on a Roadster chassis. It had uh, two of their new Illuminator electric motor. So the Illuminator with an A are their crate engines, their performance parts crate engines. And the Illuminator is now a 281 horsepower electric motor, crate motor. Uh, and it's kind of interesting. Now, they're working on some control packs, and it's still up for you to you to do your inverter, and you got to figure out batteries and a lot of the wiring. But this thing, to explain what it looked like, uh, it looked like a Tremec transmission without a bell housing. It was sort of a block of metal. It had like sort of webbing on it for, you know, like for strength. Uh, so it looked, yeah, just looked like like a T56, right? And it had a shaft, you know, coming out of it that was kind of splined basically or, or kind of like that. But I think it went the other way. It was sort of a shaft would like go into it. But yeah, it just kind of looked like a a like a transmission, like a manual transmission. <laughs> it weighs 205 pounds. It's lightweight. It's got 281 horsepower. It's got obviously instant torque and it's kind of cool. And in their, uh, in their F100 uh, EV build, I, I think they had two motors that was combined at somewhere around 500 horsepower. I don't know that it was the full power of the 281, obviously, because that would make more power. But it was about 500 horsepower, and it looked kind of cool and had a lot of, you know, to get it done for SEMA. It was a lot of Mustang Mach-E stuff that mm. they used, you know, as far as, like, batteries and wiring and cooling and all that stuff. But it looked kind of cool. So Ford embracing EV technology in the aftermarket uh, Chevrolet performance embracing it. I saw other companies there that um, uh, 
that had EV motors. They had uh, torque vectoring EV gearboxes attached to electric motors. Uh, uh, someone had um, sort of a like a like a gearbox that you can attach to the electric motor. So instead of having whatever crazy RPM that the e, you know that the Tesla motor has to spin at, this was a gear reduction to get you down and more into an eight thousand RPM range. So now you it it's a gear reduction for that motor, so that motor can be treated like a more conventional gas engine. Now you have like a zero to eight thousand RPM range, right? Um, and then there was some companies that you know had some ability to attach these to you know to transmissions and so you can do a you know an automatic transmission attached to an EV motor uh so it's a little bit easier to swap so there was a lot of interesting stuff as innovative as it was to see that <laughs> uh the feedback at the show the interest level was high um but as I started to photograph it and talk to people and post it on social media, the enthusiasm for it is low. <laughs> is, yeah. is low. It's innovative. It's interesting. Um, uh, I don't mind. I would certainly consider an EV project in the future. But for me right now, um, it's not a high priority. Uh, certainly, uh, Maybe our CarCast fans were a little bit more uh, gearheads, more traditional gearheads, maybe than than uh, than the EV audience. But yes, we you know I posted some stuff about you know EV Broncos and and this EV Porsche and well well done, well executed. But you know I I agree with a lot of people. Not really necessary. <laughs> don't really you don't don't really need it. Um, maybe there's some other things. Uh, I think the enthusiasm won't be there until we have to do it. Well, yes, but the problem with that is, is you know, we, we've said this before, is as as anyone threatens to take away something that we like, then we double down on it, right? 100%. Um, and it doesn't really matter what it is, right? You, you want to take away, hey, Beyond Burger, you want to take away beef? We're doubling down on beef, right? If the government wants to take away our gas engines, our performance cars, look how many challengers and 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 stuff have been sold, and you know, and chargers have been sold, yes. you know, because we're no we're knowing we're getting toward the edge. To be honest with you, I mean, I bought a Mustang Mach One because the next platform for the Mustang is going to be some sort of hybrid, probably not a full EV and hybrid. And listen, it's not to say the performance isn't going to be there. It's going to be a badass vehicle. Performance is going to be there. Mm-hmm. But my thought, and similar to yours, is, well, I might as well get the gas engine version now because I might not be able to get it again at some point, and I like it. you know, yeah. and, and, and I like it. So uh, interesting interesting thought on uh, on. On the EV stuff, uh, as far as par- performance parts, of course, the Illuminator crate motor. Uh, Edelbrock had a really cool Ford Raptor, um, a package power packages. I wanted to bring it up because Raptors have been wildly popular. A lot of people have said that the Gen ones, 
Um, people really like those because it has the V8 in it. You can supercharge it and you can get that thing in that 600 horsepower range. When the turbo version came out, um, you know, it, it lacked a little bit of sound and it certainly lacked maybe a little bit of power and it was difficult to to maybe make a lot more power. Certainly, how do you make that kind of power with a single part number that's 50 state emissions legal and basically kind of dyno tested and ready to go? So uh, Edelbrock saw a need for that and they came out with three performance packages. Stage one is intercooler upgrades and a tune, and it actually gets you about 80 horsepower. Stage two, intercooler, tune, and turbo upgrades, and it gets you 100 and something, I don't know, 150 horsepower. And stage three is all of that with fuel pumps. So when you add more fuel to the equation, uh, it's a 200 horsepower upgrade. So they have three power packages ranging from 80 horsepower to 200 horsepower bump. Um, I I don't own a Raptor, and uh, so I can't tell you as far as the durability of the engines, the transmissions. That's up to you guys. Maybe you want to beef up that stuff. I don't know. But it's in the catalog. They had it on display, stage one, stage two, stage three. It's packaged very nicely. It's 50-state legal. As, at least that's how I understood it. If it's not, it should be soon. Uh, and to be able to go to your you know to your performance parts shop or your tuner or whatever and go, hey, man, uh bolt that on, <laughs> you'd be ready to go. I mean, listen, if you're rolling around with 450 horsepower and you can get six, 650 out of it, uh, that's, that's, that's a nice little, Where do a nice I little bump. Uh, Chevrolet Performance debuted their big ZZ632. It's this giant, uh, it's awesome looking. It's a, it's a conventional push rod V8, big block. It is, it looks like it has like a carburetor manifold, like a four-barrel manifold on it, but it has a throttle body on it, and it comes with a control pack, and it's tuned. It's 1,000 horsepower. It's a 1,000 horsepower nice. crate engine with an old-school look. Uh, they teamed up with the guys from Hoonigans, and Hoonigans had a Camaro there. I forgot the year, 88 or 90 or something like that. And, um, you know, the car looked cool, and the wheels were cool, and the engine was massive. Uh, the rest of the car, by all means, certainly looks like it was rushed on the, on the interior. <laughs> but uh, but just massive, big block power. And I, I kind of like this because this provided some balance, right? Whereas GM took their 57 Chevy, the, the Project X, made it an EV, and then basically next to it, 20 feet away, was uh, was a 1,000 horsepower gas guzzling big block, <laughs> 632. Uh, so that was that was pretty cool to see. Uh, Gail Banks, uh, they debuted their crazy kind of patina truck called Lockjaw. Um, uh, really kind of over the top, very cool stuff. But it was the showpiece for Banks' new crate engine. And it's a Duramax, Duramax diesel that he's supercharging. It's a Duramax diesel that he teamed up with Whipple. And it just makes tons of power, 500 and something horsepower, boatloads of torque. Uh, it's a, you know, if you know Gail Banks, he doesn't roll coal over there. This is a clean burning diesel. If it's blowing smoke, it's it's not clean enough for him. So uh, an emissions legal crate engine. So a little bit alternative version. Um, and he's going to be doing supercharged versions, 
turbo versions and what he calls super turbo. It's compounded boost, turbos and supercharged. Uh, they're going to be doing, I think, the super turbo version for a Pikes Peak vehicle uh, that they are working on. Um, as part of the testing. So uh, crate engines, crate motors. When I say motor, I mean the EV side. Crate engines and crate motors um, were were kind of the talk of the town over there. Uh, You know, a a cool car that was built was Steve Strope from Pure Vision Vision Design out here in California. Um, I like Steve a lot. He's always had some very, very cool builds he would take often take an american muscle car and and give it a you know and and the mustangs as well and 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 give it a a european backstory and a little bit european influence he would say you know what if this 65 mustang fastback was raced in europe and in in the period of, of that day and do a cool engine and do some interesting things with the design and look give it a martini livery and stuff so um He's done some very cool stuff. If you guys are familiar back with the show Rides that our buddy Bud Brutzman did years ago, Strope was on that, I believe, with a few cars. I think he built Sickfish. No, he didn't build Sickfish. I think that was Troy Trepanier. Um, But he debuted a car for Joe Rogan. And you got to look at the details on this thing. It's very cool. It's got a supercharged, you know, crate engine LT, I don't know, four or something in it. It's a Chevy Nova. But he grafted on a lot of like '69 Camaro pieces, uh, mm-hmm. the the fender flares with with the eyebrow on the Camaros are on the Nova. I think the tail lights, the dash had some some uh, some Camaro influence on the Nova. It's a gorgeous build. He did a great job. It looked fantastic. Um, certainly caught a lot of people's attention. When you walk by, you're like Nova, and then you look again, you're like something else is going on here. <clears throat> And I I appreciated it because I can certainly appreciate how much work it is to do that right. You know, it, it's not just putting a fender on that body style or swapping the grill to make it look like a Nova. There's a lot of metal work. And it wouldn't surprise me if he said – there's actually no Camaro fender on it. We just modeled the Camaro fender and had to build it from scratch, right? So yeah. that's often uh, – I don't know if that's the case, but it would not surprise me at all if that's basically what no, they, not, they had to do, right? Coming. Because of proportions and everything else. Um, Dave Kindig, uh, Dave Kindig has been partnered – for a while now with uh, our good friend Ken Lingenfelter. They, Lingenfelter works with them on all of their motors. And Kindig is getting into, for lack of better term, this uh, turnkey market, sort of production car market. You know, Jonathan Ward at Icon, he does the Icon Broncos. They're fantastic. But each one is a little different, even though it's part of his series of cars. You can go to his website. You can kind of pick the options and do what you want. And then you can call him and make some changes. And, and you know, you kind of take it from there. So Kindig came out with, let's call it an early Corvette, Gen 1, like 50s Corvette. But it's a full carbon fiber body on a a new chassis with all of you know, the best of the best underneath it, brakes, transmission, suspension, all you can imagine, along with 
a Lingenfelter motor, but this is going to be a vehicle he's going to mass produce. He's working with a company that Ken hooked him up with on producing the bodies. And by the way, he's going to have the Corvette Roadsters. I think he's going to have a hardtop, even maybe a wagon like Nomad. And he'll make as many as, you know, as orders come in, you know, but they start about 375000 bucks. We saw two of them there. And although three seventy five is is not a small amount of money, you know, to get a carbon fibered body, you know, kindig build with that quality and how nice that thing was, it's probably a half a million dollar build. But the way to bring that cost down is they plan to make, I don't know, however many they gotta make, twenty, forty, fifty of these things. Uh, because if you made one carbon fiber body, that's probably two hundred thousand dollars right there to you know to get it done and to get it right. So uh, interesting. Uh, listen, the one he had in the booth was was gorgeous. Uh, uh, the attention. I like, of both the, of, I like both of them. I wish them all the luck in the world. Yeah, I like both those guys as well. Um, and it would be uh, interesting to see now cruising over to the Chevrolet Performance booth. They had a couple of the new Corvette Z06s there, and uh, they had a Corvette Z06 with the Z07 package on it as a hardtop. That was the orange car you'll see in the photos. And then the silver car, I believe, was a Z06 convertible without the Z07 package on it. Uh both cars look fantastic. The Z07 package just looks over the top. I, I mean, it's just the, the carbon fiber canards, the splitter, the wing. It is awesome. And I, I went by, it was kind of after hours, and they needed to move the car. They just needed to move it back like 10 feet for other like press photos. So they fired it up in the in the convention hall. It's It's legit. That car... That car is very cool. But again, it's like that car is really kind of pushed to the limits. Like where do you go from there? Where does a guy like Ken Lingenfelter take a Z06 Corvette, a guy that modifies these cars? And and admittedly, I think he's he would say, look, it, there's not a lot he can do to that car. Like they've really pushed the limits for it. He'll he, find something. I, he will find something, uh, you know, and look, he, he had twin turbo kits for the C8 there. He had naturally aspirated engine kits, intake manifolds, tunes and stuff. Uh, but this car is pushing it to another level. I mean, certainly the idea of supercharging it would be interesting because the Z06 is naturally aspirated because it kind of leaves the idea open. We have a C8, we have a Z06, and then twin a turbo. ZR1 could be some sort of turbo or supercharged version, higher horsepower, uh, you know, but not quite as lightweight, like something along the lines of that. But I don't know, for for that low $100,000 price range, whatever it comes in at, um, somebody told me they're trying to like base sticker it at at 100, at less than 100, like 97,000 something. I don't know for sure. This could be a question for Alistair Weaver next time we have him back on. But let's say you option it up and you're in the 120, even the 130 range. I mean, that thing is just, it looks cool. It's going to be an animal at that at that kind of price range. But uh, 
Uh, let me tell you guys about Good Guys. It's the Good Guys Rod and Custom Association. It's coming to <clears throat> excuse me, Pleasanton, California for the 31st Autumn Get-Together at the Alameda County Fairgrounds. It's November 13th and 14th. Over 2,500 American-made or powered cars and trucks on display with an autocross, burnout competition, a vintage dragster exhibition, and there's a huge swap meet with hundreds of cars for sale. Bring the whole family. There's live entertainment, demolition derby, and a free kids zone. Tickets are on sale now at good-guys.com. And uh, free admission for kids six and under. Use promo code CARCAST for $5 off your spectator ticket. Uh, okay, so I know you've you got there? to run. Yeah, you've got, <laughs> you've got to run, so go ahead and do that. I will just wrap up a a few other things. But uh, thanks, buddy. We'll, uh, we'll chat soon. And, uh, you got it, buddy. Take care. All right, so next week. Uh, all right, so as uh, Bill's running off to do that, there was another thing I did was as I got out to SEMA, I stopped over on Monday for a Bronco uh, for a, a a Bronco press release, a Bronco drive. It was yeah, it was kind of a a media event, and they did it out at the um, the Bronco the the uh, the rodeo adventure things that they're talking about i can't, i don't know why i can't think of the name but it's not a it's not a race course right but they set up these 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 places i think um i think texas vegas uh moab a couple of places and you can go out and do like a day event or a half day event and drive broncos and they'll show you everything you need to know about the bronco and so i finally got a chance to drive a bronco off-road i haven't brought one here as a press car for the week or anything like that or driven it around town but it is kind of cool so you get in uh you know i got jumped into the bronco four-door uh i i think it was sasquatch could have been badlands it had all of the features on it uh and you you hit the ground running. You're you're able to kind of go you know pretty fast in the dirt, uh, and then you get to the rock climbing section. You hit the button on the dash. It disconnects the sway bar, and you have front and rear differentials that you can lock or unlock or you know kind of do whatever. And um, so you do the rock climbing, and then you do some whoops. You do some more high speed stuff, and it really is kind of cool. And what a incredibly capable machine i think uh i only got to spend about 15 minutes in it but it seems like a lot of fun uh that i think uh, those of you that have broncos on order i think you're going to love them um and those of you that don't have a bronco on order don't worry about it i think we'll be making plenty of them as we get up to speed with these chips and stuff um while there they debuted the bronco dr desert racer now if you're familiar with the ford mustang cobra jet they made 50 of them, I believe. It is a turnkey drag race vehicle. You have to have the NHRA license. You apply to get the car, and for some amount of money, you can get a turnkey racer and take it out and race. Well, the Bronco DR is that. It's a turnkey racer. Uh, the doors don't open. Huge flared fenders, off-road suspension, spare tires in the back. And it's basically a Baja racer ready to go. They're going to make 50 units. It's 250000 bucks. But the cool thing is it's got a 5-liter Coyote engine in it. And when they fired it up and debuted that thing, it sounded awesome. It's a, it's a very, very cool piece. So uh, let's, uh, let's do this. We'll take a quick break to tell you about Rock Auto, and we'll be right back. <laughs> 
rockauto.com. Why spend 30 to 50%, even 100% more for the same parts that a chain store or dealership might have? Why spend so much there? Why not go to rockauto.com? It's a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Everything from engine control modules to brakes to motor oil, even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic car or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few clicks delivered direct to your door. Go to rockauto.com, see all the parts available for your car or your truck, write CarCast in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. An amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. All right, so the uh, the Bronco event, as we were talking about. By the way, cool. they're calling it the uh, Bronco Off-Rodeo. Off-Rodeo, that's it. That's what I was looking for, the Bronco Off-Rodeo. And there's several locations. I don't know where they all are, but it's cool to do. If you're getting the Bronco, you should go to the event. And if you're even thinking of getting the Bronco or just want to do something off-road, I think you could just go. I think you could just pay and go. It's like going to, I don't know, like a Bondurant school or something like that. You know, uh, it's it's it was fun. It was fun to do. Uh, okay, so that's uh, that's what's going on with Bronco. That's our update on SEMA. We appreciate you guys listening to the SEMA episodes from last week. If you like performance parts, maybe dig into that. Uh, we spoke to quite a few guys. Oh, I, I finally I sat down with Jeff Ryan. You want to talk about a nerdy interview? Jeff Ryan runs JRI Shocks, and I know I've been telling you guys about the cockpit adjustable shocks i'm putting on the ford lightning they did a version of this their j ride system on a bronco on an early model bronco uh, and it's it's fantastic so uh, he gets to explain it better than i could explain it so that's one of the interviews we also, we also talked to gail banks fan favorite we all love gail i didn't get super nerdy with gail about like algae and and and, and stuff like that we mostly talked about his crate engine packages in the truck that he built there and i'll post some photos of that truck as well and uh, i'm driving the mustang mach e finally uh, got it for uh, for the week i'm going to be driving that for a little bit and then we'll get you some feedback on that so i think that's it right we're pretty much out of time uh, appreciate you guys listening until next time keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCastShow. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com. CarCastShow.com.